experienced a dislocated bone before? Let me see by hand. How, how was it? Now listen. So the role of the five-fold ministries or the five-fold offices is to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. That is to say that whoever is not doing the work of the ministry is a dislocated bone in the body of Christ. Whoever is not working for the Lord is a dislocated bone. You are in the body alright, but you are displaced and misplaced. And you are dislocated. Beloved, that's how deadly it is. That's how deadly your situation is. In fact, that is how dangerous your situation is. But thank God, there is good news for you. We are here to restore you to your proper position. Proper alignment. The second meaning of this word is when Jesus met John, the Bible says that they were they were fishers of they were fishers, they were fishermen. And the Bible said that when he met John, John was mending the net. Peter was a fisherman and John was a mender of net. You see, the word to mend the net is the word catatismos. You see. Look at how the fish net is. If some of the the nets, some of the how do you call them? Some of the network, some of the is it the rope or what they used to? If there's a disconnection and there's no network, and if we try to use them to catch fishes, what will happen? The fish would, fishes will escape. In fact, in those days there was a, a fish net they used to catch fish. The biggest of them was called a Sagane. It was so strong, it took 60 men to draw the Sagane from the sea. Because when it is cast into the sea, in one day it can have two and a half tons of fishes. And if the net is not properly repaired and strong enough, the fishes will escape. You see, the whole ministry program is like a fishnet. But the reason why we are not able to have bumper harvest is because some of you are dislocated. So there's like breakages in the net, in the gospel net. So we cannot, we cannot win the lost for Jesus. We cannot have the great harvest for Jesus because there are breakages. And some of them, the, the ends are not meeting. They are dislocated. You have no idea what you would have done for the kingdom if it were effective. I'm telling you, you have no idea what your ministry would have done to the body. If you are serious, on the last day, Jesus will say, thank you, my son. Jesus will say, thank you. Hallelujah. You have no idea. You are so important. Your ministry may not be recognized by men. It doesn't matter. Heaven is taking note of it. It doesn't matter whether men know you or not. It doesn't, we, are, we, are, we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. This is not where we belong. This is not where. Our glory is not in this world. Our glory is in the hereafter. Imagine Billy Graham was not saved. You know how Billy Graham was saved? A certain man did a crusade. A whole field. It's a basketball stadium or something like that. The man fasted for four months into the program. Used his whole entire life savings for the crusade prepared well and preached all his intestines out. And when he made the altar call, no one was coming. Sometimes after you have preached and you are on the fire, and the fire is burning and you are making an altar call, and no one is coming, you almost look like a failure. So all that I preach, my word is not even powerful enough to convict any sinner. 
And for 15 minutes, he was calling for sinners to come and receive Christ, and no one was minding him. And after 15 minutes, if we're experienced, you begin to sweat. 20 minutes, no one was coming. And he was using all the scriptures to convince. Then a 16-year-old boy just came forward. The way he was coming, so I see he, we don't, he wasn't even sure whether the guy was even sure. And the guy gave his life to Christ. He left the meeting feeling that he, was, he had failed. But that guy is Billy Graham, was Billy Graham. According to human history, no one has reached men face to face in evangelism like Billy Graham. The man has labored in the gospel. His converts are people like Jesse Duplantis, Ray Bolt, Jerry Savelle, a whole, a lot of the ministers God is using, they are all the converts of Billy Graham. But there is a Billy, more than Billy Graham in this house. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 13 And make straight path for your feet Lest that which is lame Be turned out of the way But rather But let it rather be healed And make straight path for your feet Lest that which is lame Be turned out of the way Lest that which is lame Be turned out of the way Now where turned out of the way Actually Is out of joint Other versions we use the word out of joint. And that's a Greek word, actually. Lest that which is lame be out of joint. According to Paul's interpretation, what Paul is saying is that there are some people in the body who are out of joint. There are some believers in the body of Christ who are out of joint. And as long as you are out of joint, the body will never come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need you. The truth is that we need you to take your place before Christ can come. The thing is that the reason why Christ has not come is because of you. Because I'm doing my best, but you are not doing your best. Haven't you read Ephesians 4.15? It says that, and speaking the truth in love will grow up into him in all things, which is the head, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase unto the edifying of itself in love. If we are properly connected to the joint and the joint is supplying and the whole body is properly framed, that is when the body can be nourished in love. Don't be out of joint. Now, to be out of joint, the scripture we read, let's go back to Hebrews. To be out of joint, most script, the versions will say out of joint. To be out of, out of joint means to be dislocated. In another term, it means to be turned out of the way. If you are not fulfilling your ministry, you are turned out of the way. You are out of the will of God. You are outside the will of God. You are displaced and misplaced. You are lost on God's calendar. But tonight you are here to be found. <laughs> and make straight path for your feet. Lest that which is lame. Actually, the believers who are not effective with God and not fulfilling their function, Paul is saying that they are lame. If you fulfill your ministry, you are lame. You can't walk. Have you seen a lame person putting on shoes before? How can your feet be showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Because in the Bible, shoes stand for assignment and purpose. John the Baptist said, the latchet of whose shoes, I am not ready to stoop down to untie. That means I can't touch Jesus' assignment. He is higher and greater. So, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings of good, that publisheth peace, and that seeth unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Let me see whether your feet are beautiful. 
your feet must be beautiful. Going forth with the gospel. Standing in the firm foundation of the gospel of peace. But if you are lame, that means you have no, you have no use and service to God. If you are lame, that means you are turned out of the way, dislocated and disjointed, out of joint, displaced and misplaced in the will of God. But I pray that the divine revelation of God will dawn, dawn upon you. And by means of revelation, you will take your part as a living, visceral member of the body, that the body may be edified. But how do you know your ministry? I can't tell. But I will help you. Because most of the times when we say ministry, what comes to mind is that Ah, for me, I'm not called as an apostle. What can I do? I'm not even a prophet. Even dreams, seeing dreams is a problem for me. <laughs> evangelist. Oh, ah, for me, evangelist, dear. Pastor. Ah, pastor. Teacher. No, 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 no. Even my quiet time, I'm not consistent with my quiet time. Teacher. You ask yourself, so what? I'm not. Pa-. So there are many people who think that when we speak of ministry, we are speaking about these five things. That's not it at all. These are the offices that God has given us to help us enter our ministry. So I've showed you that there are the gates, there are the ministries, and there are the offices. We must locate our ministry. And if we're able to locate your ministry, you can grow in the ministry. And some of you can grow in your ministry until you enter into the office. Romans chapter 12. Let's read from verse 4. As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we be many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another haven't then gifts different according to the grace that is given unto us now in this verse from this verse going we see what is called ministry gift and Paul teaches us some of the things he, he has atomized as ministry gift and I want to go through quickly because you may find your pl- yourself you, you may find your place in these ministries this is different from Ephesians 4.11 and it's different from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the first thing he mentioned is prophecy whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith now there's the ministry of prophesying which is different from having the gift of prophecy and which is different from being a prophet in 1 Corinthians 12 we have the gift of prophecy the simple gift of prophecy. In Romans 12, verse 6, we have the ministry of prophesying. Then in Ephesians 4:11, we have the prophet, the office of the prophet. The three are different. Now, some of you have the gift of prophecy. Where? In the, in the New Testament, prophesying. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14:2 that when we prophesy, we prophesy unto exhortation, edification, and comfort. That means that when you are prophesying, it must edify someone, it must comfort someone, it must exhort someone. To exhort means to stir up someone. To comfort means to cheer up someone. To edify means to build up someone. That's the nature of the gift of prophecy. Normally when we say prophecy, we think of saying things in the future. Things concerning the future is actually the operation of the word of wisdom. It's the gift of the word of wisdom. But the gift of the word of wisdom uses the vehicle of prophecy as its manifestation. You see, so to prophesy means to bubble forth like a fountain. Prophecy has two wings, to foretell and to foretell. In the Old Testament, prophecy was foretelling because they used the word of wisdom to speak into the future. In the New Testament, prophesying is primarily 
forth telling, speaking forth with the mind of God, speaking forth, exhorting, comforting, cheering up. That is a simple gift of prophecy. But there are those who have gone further and have prophecy has become their ministry. Prophesying is their ministry. For them, it has become a regular feature in their life and ministry. Some of them have gone a little beyond exhortation, edification, and comfort. They've gone into the preaching of the word of wisdom as well, into directives and predictives. But their ministry primarily is that they prophesy to exhort people, to stir up people. And we don't see a lot in the church today. We see glimpses. And this kind of prophesying, the more as you grow in faith, the more that kind of gift of prophesying grows. Where you meet, you can prophesy people, not just in the foretelling, because its primary function is the foretelling. Especially those who have been able to develop or have been able to receive the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. That's what is in 1 Corinthians 14. It's their ministry. I have someone, a friend like that, who will speak in tongues right now. He will just know what God is saying to you. Then he will edify you with the tongues. He will interpret what he said. And some of you, in your own prayer life, if you have been praying in tongues very well, if you have been schooled in the school of tongueology, Paul said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. The gift of diverse speaking of tongues. You speak. You come to a place where you speak and you interpret. You speak and you interpret. It can become a personal gift or a public gift. You speak and you interpret. If you pray very well, you get to a certain place, you speak. There were times I pray and I speak in tongues and my tongues comes in English. Then it switches back to tongues. Don't think I'm a special person. It's not true. I refuse to receive the lie of the devil. I'm not saying you are devils. But you can do it. Hallelujah. The ministry of prophesying. Exhorting others. Then you can also speak the future concerning them. And the end result is to raise them up. To stir them up. To cause them to draw close to Jesus. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If it is a real prophecy, we see the testimony of Jesus. Jesus must be testified in the prophesying. The prophecy must reveal Jesus. Let us wait on our ministry. There is a ministry of ministry. This kind of ministry is called the ministry of service or the ministry of a servant. It is the ministry of ministry, the ministry of service, the ministry of a servant. But the Greek said the ministry of a deacon. Actually, the word deacon is the ministry of service or the ministry of a servant. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it is called the ministry of helps. Some of these ministries speak see to the day-to-day physical task of the ministry. For instance, look at all these speakers. How did all these speakers come here? How did all these instruments come here? It didn't come by prophesying. It came by the ministry of ministry. Who are those who... Let me see my hands, those who brought this. In fact, your ministry is ministry. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's the ministry of helps. How were all these chairs arranged here? The ministry of helps. Look at the light. Look at the room. The place is well swept. The ministry of helps. The ministry of service. And then let me tell you, Stephen in the Bible was in this kind of ministry. Don't think this ministry there is low power. How is it low? Stephen was in this kind of ministry. Stephen. Philip 
was in this kind of ministry. Romans 16.1, Phoebe. Phoebe was in this kind of ministry. The Bible said he was a servant of the church that was in St. Crea. The word servant actually is the same word in Greek here. He was in the ministry of helps. And he takes diverse shapes and diverse forms, actually. Some of you ashes can be in that ministry. So many examples fall under that category. This ministry. Helps. Without them, the ministry cannot run. Without them, the ministry cannot move on. So you may have, you may have been called to help the ministry in some way, somehow. Holy Ghost will place it in your heart. You feel burdened. You have passion for that kind of ministry. Your heart is like... Anytime you come to, the, to, the, to, to this where we meet, or where you meet for church service, you seem to perceive a certain kind of need. Others may be talking about something else, but for you alone, yeah, this sound, this, this, this microphone, this place, this, this car, I mean, what are those who have been driving the ISCF, the CCF, the H, those cars? You are in the ministry of ministry. You are in the ministry of helps. Or he that teacheth on teaching, the one who is teaching, let him go on teaching. Now, this ministry of teaching is different from the office of a teacher. Ephesians 4 verse 11 speaks of the one who is the office of a teacher. It's different from this one. Every believer must be able to teach. But there are those who have the ministry of teaching and those office of a teacher. For when for the time ye ought to have been teachers, he was speaking to the whole church, ye have need that, that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is a babe and unskillful in the word of righteousness. But strong meat belongeth unto them that are full of age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So actually, every believer must be able to teach fundamentally the word of God. But there are those who have gone further so that teaching has become their ministry. There is no way you can step into the office of a teacher if you don't first have the ministry of teaching. By the time you are in the office of a teacher, you are raising teachers. Someone like Aquila and Priscilla, they were in this kind of office. People with the ministry of teaching, you realize they are very skilled in the local they teach the local church. Aquila and Priscilla. They instruct the local church. They teach the, they teach the local church. But those who are in the office of a teacher, they do more of teaching the universal church. So you love the word of God, but you can develop it. As you spend more time on the word, before you realize, teaching is becoming your ministry. It's becoming your ministry. It's becoming your ministry. It's becoming your ministry. You are growing in it. It's becoming your ministry. And as you grow, before you realize it has become your office. Now you are raising teachers. The next one. He that exhorteth. This one is very vast. The ministry of exhortation. A lot of ministries are hidden under this ministry. Some have called this ministry the Barnabas ministry. Barnabas was a son of consolation. Some have called this ministry the ministry of encouragement. The Barnabas ministry. Everyone was afraid of Saul, Saul, who became Paul. It was Barnabas who could take Paul's hands and take him to the apostles. Now, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Preaching proclaims, teaching explains. To, to preach is to proclaim, to teach is to explain. Those who have the gift of preaching, preach, they are under the gift of exhortation. 
this is a very wide, huge gift that has different kind of manifestations. Preaching is under exhortation. There are some people who want to give them the microphone, no matter what. They will, just, they will preach. And they have developed it. Someone like Bishop T.D. Jakes. There are some people when they are preaching, you, don't, you wonder what they are thinking before they are saying it. Or the Holy Ghost is just using the word, they are just bringing the word out. Strange anointings. There was a conference, an IJOC, Matrashem Law's conference. And at that conference, Dr. Menso Tabu was sitting down, Bishop Tidot Bismarck was sitting down, T.D. Jakes was sitting down, all the, I mean, those fathers were sitting down, and T.D. Jakes preached. Then, Bishop Tidot Bismarck also had to preach. When he took the microphone, he said, preaching in the presence of T.D. Jakes is like, I feel like a nurse in the presence of a doctor. And when Dr. Menso Tabu took the microphone, you know what he said? He said, I think that these people are su- superhuman. How can T.D. Jakes just have one verse, use one verse to preach for two hours? And can you imagine, Dr. Menso Tabu was wondering, he just used one verse to preach for two hours. And it's like, he's speaking, and people are standing, and they are raising their hands. You know what he said? He said, this is what Dr. Menso Tabu said. He said, when I'm preaching and someone raises their hands, I'm confused. It's almost like the word is, 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 I'm losing the word. I don't know what is really happening. But when it comes to TDJs, the more you raise your hands, the more he is there. <laughs> because he's an exhorter, actually. Now, singing ministry, where does it fall? The ministry of singing falls under both prophesying and exhortation. In the Old Testament, a lot of the prophesying was done by 1 Chronicles 25. Verse 1. Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph, of Haman, and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with the harps. Can you imagine? They prophesy with the harps, with the psalteries, with the cymbals. David could take the harp and David would play. And, you know, David was playing and singing. He said, If I forget thee, O Jerusalem. Let my right hand forget her cannon and let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. That means let me never be able to sing and let me never be able to play. Singing and playing were together. They sang as they played and they played and they prophesied. In the tabernacle of David, which is different from the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, the tabernacle of David was a tent. And, you know, that tabernacle had no veil. David had 24 courses of priesthood and Levites who worship God 24 hours a day when your causes and they stood before the Ark of the Covenant and there was no veil so it was eye contact and they saw the wings of the cherubims and there was someone sitting by the side of the within the temple and as the Levite as Haman and Asaph as they are worshiping God all of a sudden they began to prophesy through songs they are singing yet the song is prophesying and they began to play and there's something called temple psalmody. Someone is sitting by the side, and as he's prophesying through the singing, the person is writing. And that is how the book of Psalms was written. <laughs> David could play the harp. An evil spirit would be tormenting Saul. And David would play it. And the Bible said all of a sudden, Saul was exorcised from the evil spirit. The Bible said that Saul was made well. In the Hebrew, the word made well means Saul was revived and refreshed. So his playing and singing could bring revival and refreshing. And could bring deliverances and cast out devils. Beloved, you should be able to sing to cast out devils from the, from the bodies of people. So singing is a very serious ministry. You can't just be there. 
you are coming to sing and you eat banquet and tilapia. You are so full. Listen. If you are ministering, you have to check. You can eat all that you want. Maybe the day before the ministry. Or maybe in the morning or in the afternoon. But when it's getting closer to your ministration, you shouldn't eat like that. If you eat like that and you are so full, you have imprisoned your spirit. You cannot release it. You merely sing, but it will not be prophesying. But if you come to sing and before you are coming, your spirit has dominion over your body and over your soul and your spirit has a preeminence and you have beat under your body and brought it under subjection and whilst you are coming you are full of you are you are fired building up